Welcome to another edition of Teaching Restored. I'm Kevin Jones. I'm Julie Hilliard. And we get to help others learn about how to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ to bring them closer to Christ. And it's something Julie and I are very, very passionate about. We love, love, love teaching the gospel, even when it doesn't go well. <laughs> yep. Isn't that right, Julie? Even when yep. it doesn't, well, <clears throat> I'll say, even when it doesn't go as expected. Yes. Because sometimes it can go, it can turn out well in the end. Right. But to get there, you kind of have to go through a roller coaster. Yeah. You ready? I'm ready. You okay? Let's 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 go for this. Okay, so I literally just finished teaching a class, and it was the most uncomfortable class I've ever been in. And and that that that's a lot because you've taught a lot. I know, like, but it, like I was so. There were several times during this class where I was standing there and feeling like my mind went blank and feeling, um, I actually had the thought, the spirit isn't here right now. Mm. And then I, as I was teaching, kind of even received a little bit of correction um, that made me uncomfortable and I had to course correct. I'm telling you, it was it was a really hard class and I feel felt like a myriad of emotions. And so we're coming to this recording in part to process um, a difficult teaching experience. And I think that there's value in it. So let me tell so, you kind of, go ahead. So real quickly, so this is, this is real time. This, this is, is not real. like we've rehearsed this. This is, you just <laughs> came off the teaching and we're, we're processing real time. And explain, explain just for others who don't know what this class is again. So this is an adult <clears throat> religion class and we're studying Come Follow Me curriculum. And I am telling you, this group of people are magical. They are the best. It is a group of people with pure hearts who are seekers. And it can be a bit of an echo chamber sometimes. Mm. And part of what we try and get away from is creating an echo chamber. And today was one of those classes where we tried to kind of challenge a few things because um anyway let me just start at the beginning sure so, and when kevin says it's real time we actually decided to go ahead and do this and i'm feeling a little bit raw and i'm feeling a little bit exhausted and if you're looking at the podcast itself like my hair is messy and i'm just kind of ha ah. so <clears throat> this is as i was preparing for this class i've had a really difficult week and um a lot of logistical struggles and so i was got to last night and I was trying to put this lesson together and I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed by my life and just begged for a little bit of help. And as I started to put it together, um, I felt to go in a specific direction where we were going to talk about some of the false teachings that had crept into the church. This is a pastoral epistle written by Paul to Timothy. And in the books of Timothy, he's helping uh, Paul is helping Timothy kind of, you know, with his leadership in the church. He's been left behind in Ephesus. Paul's now in Macedonia and he's trying to offer some counsel. 
<clears throat> and the thing that, as I was putting this together, I was processing how important sound doctrine is. And there is literally counsel for teachers in this book about how to teach. And it's saying, be cautious that you're not like throwing your own opinion into stuff a lot. Make sure you're teaching sound doctrine. Sure. And so I'm thinking about the value of sound doctrine. And I put together a slide with a quote by M. Russell Ballard on it. And he's talking about the value of sound doctrine and how important it is not to let things creep in that will dilute that doctrine or in any way change it because that can actually down the road lead to really big, dramatic, horrible things. Not his words, mine. But then he goes on and he lists some specific things that we need to be cautious of. And they had to do with things that could challenge the family. And those things that he mentioned made me uncomfortable. So I mm. took them out. I deleted them from the slide. <clears throat> and I put a dot, dot, dot. And the reason I did that in my mind was that I wanted to avoid two extremes that sometimes happen in this class specifically. And if any members of my class hear this, I hope that they can just appreciate that I'm processing this, not in any way trying to label someone. <clears throat> but sometimes in this class, people make well-intended comments that are a bit insensitive about social issues. And because we have ages, you know, 100 down to, I think uh, sometimes we'll have like a 19 year old come. It's diverse experience, right? And then the other reason is because I know that I have people in that class who are very, very sensitive about um, things related to um, acceptance in society, like making sure that people feel loved and accepted no matter what their background. And this, you know, for example, this listed things that had to do with, you know, sexuality and um, things that had to do with marriage and things that had to do that could potentially be sensitive in the context of what we were talking about. Sure. So I said, deleted it from the slide. And then as I was going through and realizing what the point of the slide was and what the point of the quote was, I realized that I actually was um, holding back. And mm. I questioned myself, like, why was I holding back from teaching sound doctrine in this class? This is sound doctrine. In fact, it's almost an echo chamber sometimes. And I'm like, I'm trying to avoid this comment where they could hurt people's feelings. And then I'm trying to avoid actually saying something myself where this person, you know, this other person might feel like they need to make a political statement <clears throat> to defend the other side of somebody's. And I just didn't want it to turn into that. And so that was my justification. Um, let me read this verse in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Um, and it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. So as I was reading that verse, I'm like, is that me? Hmm. Am I like having a hard time with sound doctrine myself? Or am I trying to soften the blow for other people? because I know that they might not be able to endure yet. Like, what is my, like, you always have to ask, is it me, right? Don't ever not ask, is it me? In fact, part of what derailed this class was that people were making a lot of statements about other people, other groups of people and false doctrine, you know, that they might be teaching or false doctrine that might be creeping in to their understanding. And my challenge was, it's not about labeling other people and what they believe. It's about, is it me? Am I 
buying into or being deceived by or whatever, some kind of false doctrine that makes sound doctrine a little painful. Hmm. So let me keep going in the verse. It says, but after their own lusts, a little dramatic, right? Shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears? So I was like, well, that's a little bit confusing. What does that really mean? And what I deduced is that sometimes as teachers, we want to scratch people's itch. We want to make them feel better. And so we soften the blow, right? Gotcha. And so do we, either side of it, do we as teachers sometimes shy away from teaching sound doctrine because it's not going to, like it's going to hurt, it's mm -hmm. not going to be comfortable, it's going to create some divine discontent, right. or do we as teachers soften it so that we can scratch people's itching ears and tell them what feels good and what sounds good? like what is going to be okay to them. It's what they want to hear. And then on the other side of it, do we ever as learners dismiss the things, even sound doctrine that create discontent in us that don't scratch the itch instead that kind of cause us to wrestle a little bit. So I'm going to pause there. I'll tell you kind of where we landed, but like, can you kind of see, like, I literally, as a teacher, caught myself shying away from sound doctrine because I was worried about how it would be received. Because it could be uncomfortable or contentious, you're saying. That contentious right? in that setting, not even contentious because nobody has a contentious bone. They're not trying to create contention, sure. but rather <clears throat> thoughtless comments are often made on that subject. And I feel the need to like make it a little better so that it doesn't bother people. And then on the other side of it, you know, I might be, I might accidentally say something that causes like an uprising because I don't think the same way that other people do on specific topics. Am I being too vague in how I'm saying this? Is it getting muddy or is it making sense? So from what I hear you say, it's it's really kind of a choice, and I'm gonna boil it down from what yeah. I understand, to two, you have a topic <clears throat> that could get rough. So the choice as a teacher is, do you either dive in and teach it fully and run up against most likely what will be maybe some contention, uh, difficult trying to difficulty trying to explain, maybe even some confusion, or do you back off and make it and kind of, I'm gonna use the word almost placate to the, the people who are learning so that you don't get them riled up or ruffle their feathers or whatever, and you just, so that it can be nice and happy the whole way through. Is Kevin, that what I hear? Yes. And okay. I'll tell you that I am not afraid of conflict, but like, can the spirit be there? Like, how do you have that discussion and still have the spirit there? 
Good. And I can tell you, this is the part I was trying to uh, describe at the beginning, but I needed to give more detail. I needed to build to this point that there was a point where I realized the spirit was not there and I was doing it wrong. And then later I could, it was palpable. I could tell when the spirit came back to the conversation. Gotcha. And, and so like going into that place on purpose versus just placating and creating the mm -hmm. echo chamber, being happy with the echo chamber and everybody leaves enriched and uplifted. I mean, isn't that the point? You want everybody to come and be uplifted and enriched and go home feeling like good and happy and they felt the spirit and it's awesome. Like, but can you? the spirit invite feelings that aren't just peace and joy? Like, mm. can you have a spirit-filled discussion where parts of it are uncomfortable? So this makes me think of a, a, a concept I brought up a few, I, I don't remember, episodes ago double and single loop learning yes right where you make the assumption and then you go off the assumption double loop learning is when you challenge the assumption so i'm challenging the assumption of isn't the point to make everyone go home happy excited about everything and feeling the spirit isn't that isn't that what you're trying to do in the end or or is it I mean, that's, that's essentially, I think that's essentially the question you asked. Can yeah. you teach a successful class where that actually isn't the goal? Okay. So it was interesting because after class, I had um, a, several individuals come up to me and be like, that was so uncomfortable. Like, mm. I couldn't even open my mouth because I was feeling so many feelings. And in the end, I love what I felt because mm. I need to go home and I need to wrestle with this a little bit. And God. then someone else came up and said, I was so hurt by a comment that was made, but it had to do with my own experience and described to me why she was hurt. And then she's like, and it was an opportunity for me to figure out how to practice what we were talking about in this class where I'm, you know, there's false doctrine and I'm not judging the person or putting the person down, but rather giving people space to feel and believe differently while not necessarily trying to embrace and accept it myself. Like people were making other rising comments and I don't, without going into a bunch of detail, it's really difficult to describe, but the idea that we often make other rising comments when we are trying to process the application of a gospel principle and instead, what I was really hoping and what we were really trying to do is stop otherizing and saying, do I do that? And in the process of saying that, we kept making otherizing comments. Otherizing. Yeah, let me explain. Oh, gosh, Kevin, I'm getting a little bit off. I'm kind of getting confusing. Um, no, 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 no. I, I, I think I get what I'm you mean, but explain yeah, that a little me, bit more. Let me describe otherizing. So this is something that I'm actually struggling with in class. I feel like sometimes as we are discussing real life application, and this is specific to this uh, instance as well, part of what was really difficult about processing it is that we were making judgments about other people sure. to explain the principle. Mm -hmm. so 
we're talking about false doctrine, right? So we are labeling other groups of people, other individuals, other causes, other, like even I'll give you a concrete example. Sometimes we make comments about the youth in general as being, you know, they're so disrespectful. They haven't even learned how to, you know, talk nicely to their parents and show respect to their teachers. And so, you know, we sometimes will make otherizing comments like the sin lies with them. We're not saying this really, but like Mm -hmm. kind of are, you know, oh, this is what they're doing wrong. And the point should be, well, do I do that? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, you know, to my point a little bit earlier, well, who cares? Like, is that fair for us to make those statements? I don't know. Like we're processing out loud, give people space to process. Right. But do I do that is the more important question. Right? right. And so, okay, so let me, let me kind of bring a point that I learned from this, because like I said, I had people that were coming up to me after this class and describing this discontent that they were feeling. Okay. And I realized that I was feeling some discontent too. And I think that this is the conclusion that we drew together as a class. And then this can maybe be the point that we just discussed briefly. So we went through this really uncomfortable discussion and people were like, I was feeling really like one person said at one point, I almost got up and left. Like Mm. it was that uncomfortable. Wow. Sure. And I will admit at one point I wanted to put my book down and leave. (laughs) I was just trying so hard to bring home a point like, and to make it constructive. And I felt like it just kind of, Oh, it was just a wrestle to get there. And I realized that what we had in that room was a whole bunch of people wrestling, not with others around them, but with themselves. And to explain what I mean, I realized, I'm going to make it super personal for a second, how I didn't, you know, want to add the end part of that quote. I I realized that sometimes I, in my conversations with people, um, placate filter, soften, Mm -hmm. et cetera, true doctrine on purpose Mm -hmm. because I don't want to create, I don't want to put people off. And I also realize that my job is not always to teach sound doctrine to someone who doesn't necessarily want to hear it. My job is always to love people. So, Mm taking that to a very individual level and then I'm going to take it to a classroom level really fast. At the individual level, if I'm sitting with someone, my job isn't to to like make sure that they know how I feel. My job is to make sure that I know how they feel. And then when they ask me, I need to be clear in teaching sound doctrine, but I don't need to shove sound doctrine at them. And so when it comes to like a classroom setting, I was processing this. I'm like, why am I uncomfortable with it? And I kind of realized that part of my job is to actually lead people to a place where they will engage in their own wrestle. Like my job isn't to scratch their itching ears. And so if people leave a class with personal Like I need to take this to heavenly father and wrestle with it a little bit so that I can figure out how to apply it. 
I actually think that's good. Like I, I left that class realizing that I, so stupid, that I have a wrestle with Heavenly Father to sort out how to make sense of loving people that, um, and just, just leading with love in relationships where I profoundly disagree with their actions, but I love who they are so, so deeply. And it's not my job to throw sound doctrine at them first. It's my job to love them first. And that was my personal wrestle. And I'm engaging in that wrestle. Like that's something I need to do. And if people in that space walked away feeling the same kind of divine discontent or the same call to engage in that wrestle, I kind of think that that's a good thing. Like I kind of think that discomfort can serve a purpose. I don't know. What, would, what are your thoughts? I, f I feel like I've talked a ton and kind of not super clearly, but I'm still, like I said, this is so raw that I'm in like the process of processing. For me, it's been very clear. And I hope for others it has as well, because I think we all are in that space. I look at what you're saying from not only a teaching perspective, but again, from a personal, like you said, it's on a very personal level as well. I have some of those same, I think everyone has some of those same difficulties. And, and when you're a parent, those difficulties happen a lot when you get teenagers and YSA and young marrieds and on and on and on. It happens all the time. There is one, as, as you were telling me of your experience, it reminded me of when I was in college. I got home from my mission, started, well, started back into college and was asked to teach seminary at the same time. And I was teaching a class and, and the other class that was being taught we that back then i don't know in our stake right now we do a lot of team teaching where it's one person then oh, one yeah, day yeah, then yeah. another one the next day right maybe a couple doing that i was teaching all week and so and, and that's how it was we just taught every day monday through friday and then there was another class that was being taught by a, a friend a friend's mother and so she was teaching, I was teaching different classes and she was having difficulty with one of her kids. And she said, and I'll never forget this. She was telling him about her wrestle with her son and having this difficult time with him because he wasn't doing the things that would bring him happiness. And she mentioned this to a member of the stake presidency and his response was, Stop trying to teach him. Just love him. Let us do the preaching. Interesting. And I found that very freeing. Ever since then, it was kind of, for me, on a personal level, with people that were not, were doing things that I didn't agree with, that it wasn't a, I'm going to shove the sound doctrine down your throat now. It's, I'm just going to love you. You probably already know what the sound doctrine is, whether you choose to live it or not. That's, that's your thing. But shoving it down your throat is not going to do anything else. But at the same time, I'm just, I'm just going to love you. 
That is my job. Like you said, that is our job. That could be our job as a teacher just to love them, not to cram the sound doctrine down their throat. Although, do they need it? Probably. But that's not, our, that's not our job all the time, is it? Right. Right. So, you know, it's interesting. You're, you're making me think a little bit about my job as a mother. Like, I feel some anxiety. I mean, a lot of anxiety about... <laughs> teaching my children the gospel because yes. in my opinion, I'm like panicked about what their life would be like without it. Right. I think we all are a little bit. And when we see our children leave, that panic increases and we feel even more anxiety. And so we start sometimes maybe shoving it in a little bit harder and try creative strategies to shove it in. And da, 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 da. Yes. And um, as I was processing through all of this a little bit, this was a conclusion that I drew from some of the conversations that took place at the end. And I alluded to this earlier that I think I, my guideline will be that I listen until I'm asked, mm -hmm. meaning that instead of feeling like they're saying something, I'm like, I've got to teach that lesson that I'll think to myself, do I understand where they're coming from? And then when they ask, I'm clear about sound doctrine. So I've That's done good. my job. And, and then when they ask, they actually might be receptive. I was having a conversation with my son the other night, who's 16, and he was making some kind of critical comments about um, a testimony meeting that he had attended for the youth. And it was, when I say critical comments, it was just not super positive. Like he was kind of in a weird headspace. And I wanted so badly to teach him all of these principles about, you know, it's not as much what you get out of the meeting. Sometimes it's what you did. Did you look around at other people? Did you see what they were feeling? Could you appreciate certain comments that they made? Why did you have to focus on the negative count? We focus on the positive. What did you get out of it? And I wanted to flip the whole thing on its head. And I sat there and I listened to him and my daughter started peanut gallery commenting, making things, you know, that kind of weren't very kind. And as I was sitting there, I just had this feeling. I'm like, yeah, you have a lot that you could teach right now, but shut your face. <laughs> and I just listened to him. And I, I found myself having a moment where it felt appropriate to say something, to insert it, to teach it. And he immediately went, oh, I just shouldn't say anything. I shouldn't talk about it anymore. And I'm like, oh, I'm not done listening. And so I went back to it and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, keep going, Liam. I really, I want you to stay in this conversation. And then I did it again. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was appropriate. And he, oh, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. I, I should, probably shouldn't have brought this up. And I realized he was really kind of wrestling with something. And his comments that came out initially probably weren't even what the wrestle was about. Sure. And so I just, that prompting kind of struck me that I think we often need to do that with other people. When people make comments and then like we, we can weaponize sound doctrine. We can use it. To, and hurt them with it. Yes. If they're not ready for it. And so we really have to be so careful that we have checked ourselves first. And part of checking ourselves first is saying, what, you know, what is, have I heard everything that they're saying? 
Do I understand where they're coming from? Do And that's way more important than I have the perfect thing to teach them to solve their problem and to set them yes. free. So true. You you reminded me of what Elder Bednar has said a number of times. I've heard him on different podcasts or different recordings. He says over and over, how do I know what to teach them if I don't listen to them first? Yes, yes, yes. Right? And 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 I think you you're at you're right, especially as a parent trying to teach the gospel. How many times is it all right, we need to have family home evening, or I need to teach this principle, or they're gonna, they need, there is a gap in their understanding and their learning, and I'm gonna teach it to them. <laughs> oh my gosh, I literally use that phrase. <laughs> yeah, and they will learn this because I'm going to, I am not going to be remiss in my duty as a parent, and, and I will make sure that they leave this house understanding this principle. It, doesn't like you said they they may not be ready for it and we may be weaponizing doctrine by trying to teach it too early or maybe in a forceful way when they're not ready or trying to shove it down their throats again I, i'll use that word that phrase again but we have to make sure that they are ready for it and right. and i don't think I think we do ourselves a disservice and we get frustrated when they don't accept it. We're like, oh my goodness, they're not where they, we, I thought they would be spiritually. I thought they would be better than this. (laughs) I thought they would have a stronger testimony. What? You're, you're better than this. I even said that to them. Really? Sure. I know you better than this. Sure. Mm. Okay. Kevin, let me connect those two things that we, because I was talking about, I feel like we kind of have these two things that merge really, really nicely. So when we're talking about, you know, our, our kids and teaching sound doctrine and how we can sometimes weaponize it and how we said, like, we have a selfish agenda sometimes, like where it is about doing my duty as a parent more than it is about you actually, you know, whatever. I think that these two points of that that we're making or that there are two points that we're making that are married. Sorry. I had to say it like five times to get it to come out my mouth. (laughs) Um, I think gospel according to Julie, that leading people to a wrestle is sometimes more instructive than perfectly articulating sound doctrine. Perfectly summed up. I absolutely agree with that. It is it is not always about teaching them. It's making sure that they get to the point where they want to find out, where they are encouraged or pricked by the spirit to, oh, I need to really figure that out because I don't know that. How would I, what do I, I, I you said that perfectly, Julie. That is so well, good. Like I feel, I felt so kind of confused at the end of class today. And it's taken me processing through it with a couple of people after class. And then just kind of even right now, as I'm kind of putting all of this together to really feel like we often define success as everybody walking away, having had a spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wonder sometimes success could be defined as us helping to 
through our class experience, initiate a spiritual experience. Not that they have to have it in right. class, but maybe discomfort is sometimes the way that that will be initiated, which it hopefully it won't always be that way, right? But whatever it is, we have to remember that us articulating things perfectly and beautifully will only go so far that when people have an experience with it, we've talked about this before, that's when it really sinks in. And so sometimes having a difficult discussion in class, having varying opinions, having some discomfort, and then feeling like, oh, a little unsettled might actually be exactly what was needed to lead people to engage in their own wrestle. Like and that. that's not a bad thing. No. Sometimes leaving things unsaid with your child, when you know, to bring back that example, might actually lead them to engage in a wrestle to figure it out themselves, which creates something even more powerful than you articulating it for them. Right. And so I don't know that it's necessarily a bad thing. Like, you know, when we talked at the beginning, you, you know, here are the two choices. Do you try and give everybody a really hunky-dory, happy experience where you feel joy and feel the spirit in class every single time? Or do you sometimes allow it? Go to the spaces that might be uncomfortable. I am going to conclude that I think that there's balance, but I think that going there when prompted by the spirit, when led by the spirit to do so, creates more authentic conversations and sometimes leads to divine discontent or sometimes leads people to engage in their own wrestle, which might have been the point. Right. I don't Last night, uh, my wife and I, we were talking to our two boys, to our two boys who are left in the home now. And we talked to them uh, and, and I mentioned to them that kind of the, uh, it's the parable of the 10 virgins. I didn't mention that, but it's the same concept of, yeah. you have to know this. We can say all of this and that's great, but we want you to have experiences to get yourself there. Yeah. And it's really important that you do that. And it reminded me of one time when I was in a bishopric and I was new to leading in that way. It was, it was, it was a new bishopric and I was trying to figure out my place in the bishopric and trying to figure out how things worked. And there was a disciplinary council and a brother came in and we talked to him and figured out what was going on. Then we dismissed them. And then we knelt in prayer and said, Heavenly Father, what do you want us to do? We got done. The bishop looked at me and said, what are you thinking? And this is my first one. Holy okay. cow. And, and I said, I did not receive an answer for anything. And I thought, if, if I say this, I'm probably not in tune. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I'm, right. He's probably going to judge me and say, well, I got an answer. And right. But I said, fired. yeah, I, I felt, I felt, you know, and the question was excommunication, disfellowship, et cetera. What, what was the proper course for this brother? And I felt, it wasn't that I felt nothing. It was, it was that I, I felt 
that there was not a clear way to go yet. And I, and I didn't know what that was. And he said, I felt the same way. That's strange mm-hmm. because I usually receive an answer of what is best, but not in this respect. So we brought the brother back in and said, we don't know. We didn't receive an answer. Let's talk about it in two weeks again. And my, my initial thought was, holy cow, are you kidding me? We're going to let this brother go. I mean, he's dying inside going, okay, what is my fate? <laughs> what is my fate? And we just said, eh, we'll tell you in a couple of weeks. Right. right? <laughs> but then as, as, as I've grown up and I've thought about that experience so many times, maybe that's exactly what he needed. Maybe he needed the wrestle. Maybe he needed to go through that and dive deeper than he already was. We don't know the the real reason, but I think sometimes in our teaching for me, because I love questions, it is almost better for me to make sure that they leave with a question and a struggle than it is to make sure that they understood everything that I wanted to teach them. It's almost like they're an oyster. I want to put a piece of sand in them and send them off and let them develop a pearl out of that. So well said, so well said. So that's, that's really, my goal isn't always to just, here's the information and yeah. to feel the spirit, absolutely. Right. But I think it is perfectly okay to have a little bit of struggle as they leave the class. Mm-hmm. Because we we can't have those experiences, and the only way they can learn some of these experiences will be outside of the class. In fact, right. the ma- vast majority will be outside of the class. So why not set them up so that they go have those experiences outside of the class? That is so well said. I think, like, so the phrase divine discontent has just kind of been in mm. my mind lately because of some other things. And I really do think that um, discomfort is motivating because we want to be comfortable. We're looking for a way to get comfortable. And so what you're saying is maybe create a little bit of discomfort, like in a positive way. Yes. Divine discontent is intended to be spiritually motivating because you want to find peace. It's it's as though we kind of, um, when we're comfortable, we often become complacent. And so creating, you know, if you're in an echo chamber at church and everybody's saying the exact same thing, you're like, I feel so good at church. I feel so comfortable at church. I feel so whatever at church. While that's wonderful and has a place, you also have to feel great when you're in your home and feel great when you are facing, you know, a little bit of persecution and feel great when you're in and you get to a point where you become more confident and more sure and more because you've engaged in the wrestle, because you've gone to the uncomfortable places. And so really leading people to have some of those experiences is not a failing. It's actually, I think, a beautiful, I mean, I I agree. For me, it feels like a beautiful part of our gospel journey. Yes. When I was Elder Scrum president, um, we would, I would talk, we would have the ministering interviews and I, I, I would always say, okay, where are they at right now? What's mm-hmm. their next step? And mm-hmm. how are you helping them get there? And that was really my focus. Mm-hmm. You have to understand, you have to listen enough to understand where they're at. Yeah. What's their next step to progress in the gospel? And how are you helping them get there? And so really, I, I foresaw that a brother could go into a family and say, and, and listen and figure out where they are and then say, okay, 
what's your next step to come closer to Christ? And then bring that up and then say, okay, what, how can I help you? Walk away knowing that there's some of that even discontent there of, oh, I'm here, but there's another step. There, yes, there's yes. some more that I can do, whether it's another or the next ordinance or another level of spirituality on a personal level or on a family level. But there's a popular, well, not a, it's not a popular song, but a song that I know of, it's called Safety's Just Danger Out of Place. Oh, <laughs> that's interesting. Isn't it? I, it's, yeah. it's, it's a Harry Connick Jr. song. Safety oh, is just, Harry Jr. yeah, safety is the danger out of place. And I've thought about that title so often that if we, like you said, if we're too comfortable, yeah, maybe we that's... need some, maybe we need some of that struggle. Maybe we need more struggle to help us progress. I also like what you said. Um, so I love that point, but what you said just a second ago about those three questions that you're asking yourself, mm -hmm. I think that those are actually really profound as a teacher because sometimes when people make a comment that we kind of bristle at, or as a teacher, you're like, Oh, maybe we need a, you know, that, that part of what we and everyone in the class needs to be in the practice of doing is thinking about where that person is at. Remember, like know who they are. Yes. And yes. know a little bit about their journey. I mean, we have newly baptized members. We have people who are not of our faith. We have people who are from pioneer stock. We have all of this in one space in our classes. 90% of the time there's that kind of diversity. And so people aren't going to always say things the same. In fact, thank goodness they don't. Right. Like that diversity, that of thinking is really, really valuable, which comes with a little discomfort sometimes. And you can, yes, and you can use that in your class so many times of two differing opinions. And then you can use that to say, hmm, who's right? Is there a right? Or right. is there just a differing of opinions and is it okay to think both of these things and what do you think and why would one person think another thing and then then you're bringing up bringing up so many different questions in their minds of oh maybe i need to think about this a little bit more than i have because i haven't given this enough thought there's those differing of opinions and the diversity of it is is fabulous in fact i think a lot of people may, as a teacher may be frightened of that Mm -hmm. because we want everyone to be happy. We want everyone, like you said, to walk out of the room, feeling the spirit and yeah. zippity-doo-dah. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I mean, not maybe zippity-doo-dah, but. You aged yourself with that. Th there you go. Yeah, something something more, you know, um, have I done any good in the world today? And there they're just okay, walking good, out, good, right? <laughs> Classic. There. So, but again, maybe it's it's more of a question then in the end so okay let me ask this okay. next time that you are going to teach a subject and you see that there is potential for discontent for conflict for differing opinions that may be strong differing opinions mm -hmm. what are you going to do differently in your preparation next time for that so Here's the irony. I didn't anticipate that this would be. Mm, sure. The only clue I had was that one thought that I had when I was putting typing that slide out and omitting something. I was trying to keep it from being that way. So this one caught me off guard. 
So you ask, what would I do differently? I actually don't know, but what I can tell you, I might do differently based on kind of this conversation right now. It goes to the comment you made where I wonder if I need to be good about planting hard questions. Like mm. I need to be willing to bring up harder questions, which requires me to dig deeper into myself because I don't want to bring up inauthentic ones. I don't want to like sure. but really be willing to ask the questions that people may wrestle with rather than asking the questions that will bring the answers I'm hoping to guide the discussion. But Julie, that's scary. Oh, no. Apparently, <laughs> I like being scared because I uh, hung out in the middle of that for a little bit today. I, I guess know. so. So did I hear you right in saying that you you sometimes need to lean into it yeah. rather than shy away from it and actually make it a thing? Make it appropriately again i mean there are ways and and I, honestly i have tried this before leaning into the discomfort yeah. and i've gone overboard and i oh, remember so my wife going what? what okay sorry i don't mean to cut you off that's okay this is another point that paul makes when he's teaching timothy he's like don't ask hard questions to stump people don't mm -hmm. ask hard questions to prove how smart you are don't ask hard questions to start a debate don't ask hard questions to fill in the blank. He's like, you, you are inviting the spirit. You are not trying to create a wrestle. That's, so we have to be cautious of that. I'm so glad right. you said that out loud because that literally is one of the, the points that Timothy's bringing up. He's like, you gotta be careful because if you're asking a question with the intent to stir things up, that's not, that's not, going to lead you where you want to go. It actually leads to quarrels is what he said. Right. I'm there's a, there's a difference between in, in those cases being bold and saying what needs to be said and then overbearing. Um, I actually, that's not actually what I'm thinking in my mind, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that, I mean, that point's valid, but I think it's actually, let me, let me say <clears throat> it a tiny bit differently if I okay. can, because I think that the point I'm thinking of it's, it's not about asking questions to be bold or to like make them question or it's actually about asking sincere questions, period. Okay. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yes. Like, so in other words, if I'm saying, ooh, I wanna make them wrestle with this, then I'm going about it wrong. If I'm saying, I sincerely think this is a point that we all might be wrestling with. So lean in. Good. That's I different. love that. It, makes sense. it, it like, is very different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause I don't think, I mean, it does take courage to ask hard questions. Hold on. There's this really great scripture I'm trying to find and I just can't find it. Um, but it also takes courage to actually make them authentic hard questions. I think that's right. harder. And I think when you make them authentic like that, I think they can see whoever you're talking with, whether it be a person or a class, whatever, they can see the genuineness and the love behind it. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and again, your, our job as a teacher, whether one or many is to love. Yeah. And, Bam. and the, and the questions have to have that in there as well. 
Okay, so this is our final scripture that I think says what you just said. Listen to this, Second okay. Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And he, this is Paul again, you know, giving counsel directly to Timothy. And he says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And all of those things are part of teaching. Now, don't be afraid of sound doctrine. Don't be afraid to lean into the difficult discussions because you do have the power of God. You have his love for you, his love for them, your love for them. And this part is really helpful to me and very comforting that I also do have a sound mind. And like we can have a discussion and we can rely on the spirit and we can think clearly in difficult um, in, in some of those difficult and more weighty, if you will, type matters, even when we're thinking on our feet, like we don't need to be afraid of it. No. Wow. Um, so I have to say, thank you. Because this is to go number one, you and I had talked when we started creating this, that it would be really difficult to talk about circumstances that we're in right now, because those people listening, you know who you are, right? <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you did this so well and it was completely out of love and it's not calling anyone out on anything. It was just, it was, this is the struggle we all had together and it came out really well. Yes, yes. And you, exactly. You did it so well. Thank you. Uh, and, and it's such an important topic that a lot of us aren't really thinking about and talking about. Right. Like, I thank you for saying it the way that you did, because I want to make that so clear. I feel like this class, we've created a safe space to do that. And we were all in it together. And I can tell you that I have learned so much by the fact that I consider different perspectives in my preparation going into it, because I know that those perspectives are in there. And so I learned so much from the diversity of opinion, from the diversity of thought. And it's it's really a powerful experience. And so I'm glad you brought that up there at the end, that it was a collective experience, not in any way trying to call somebody out for <laughs> anything. Anyway, it was hard. I, I bet. And sometimes teaching is hard. Sometimes teaching is hard. Could be fun, though. I love that you just used that studio sequel. <laughs> Could be fun though. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> On that happy note. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks everyone for coming and listening and watching. And we hope you hope you were able to gather some of that and, and recognize your own struggles at the same time and maybe take away some things that you can do for the next time when you teach your children a class a friend, someone not of our faith, et cetera, et cetera. Could go a lot of different ways. If you would, please uh, subscribe, leave a comment. Um, if you're on the podcast, if you would, please not leave a comment, but I always get, get that wrong. What is it called? Just like, yeah, there's like, there's follow. And then there's something else where you're leaving a comment with a podcast, something like that. I don't that remember. Thing. 
that You're thing. So Go do that. But share this with others, please. They need to hear this so they can wrestle in their minds. Because again, we hope that through this, they're not just taught, but now you start wrestling in your mind. Okay, what can I do? How can I make this? How can I make my teaching even better? And we hope you go through the struggle, even though it may be uncomfortable. Lean in, lean yeah, in. Go struggle. Thanks, Julie. Appreciate it. Thanks. Take care, everyone. Bye.